Hi, and welcome back. This is Debbie, and this is Light Up Your Worth podcast. I am so excited to bring you my guest this week and next. This is a part one of a two-part series with my guest, Michelle Rijos. And we are going to be taking a look at how society expectations influence our belief systems and restrict our being authentic. And she's going to be sharing in a very candid conversations about this all too common narrative, exploring the adverse impacts of relentless hustle and underlining the importance of nurturing our authentic self. I cannot wait for you to meet Michelle as we break this podcast episode up into two episodes. So stay tuned. Let's jump on in. Hello, this is Debbie McAllister, and this is Light Up Your Worth. I am so excited to bring you my friend, Michelle. Michelle is connected to me through uh, a really true, authentic heart-to-heart soul connection, and I cannot wait for you to introduce you to her. She is a sought-after speaker, podcaster, mentor, and soon-to-be author. After more than a 25-year award-winning career as a communication leader and a corporate executive, Michelle took a leap of faith and followed her heart to pursue her calling to inspire others to step into their authenticity and become what they were always meant to be, the most extraordinary versions of themselves in life and business. She has coached CEOs and individuals alike to optimize their performance, enhance team engagement, and live their best lives. Her latest role is the host of Live Your Extraordinary Life podcast. When not public speaking, podcasting, or traveling with family and friends to experience new places around the world, Michelle enjoys spending time at home in Northern Virginia, with her husband, 16-year-old son, and her two great Pyrenees. Welcome, Michelle. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on, Debbie. I'm excited to be here. You meet people in your life in this journey. And when you come together and you meet what I call like a soul sister, a soul connection, and you are that for me. You just light me up. I receive that. I feel the same way. (laughs) Why I'm highlighting it is I I truly believe when women connect at this authentic level in our souls, in our heart, we're raw, we're vulnerable, we're intelligent, and we're showing up so empowered with our own self and owning our own worth. You meet that in somebody else who reflects that back to you both ways, that it just really shines this bigger light and bigger light. You do that by simply showing up on who you are today. Oh, thank you so much. I feel like what you just said just raises the entire vibration of the room. I don't think we we start out that way, though. As we come up, as you came up, as I've come up in the career, you have to step more into that masculine energy with that whole grind and hustle, which is which taught us a lot of things. Oh, yeah. What, what did you learn in that whole, that part of your experience on this journey versus where we are now? It's interesting, Debbie, because I think for the 
probably the first 40 years of my life were all dominated by the whole grind and hustle and what I would consider a much more, most of the times, toxic masculinity and alpha behavior because that's what society rewards, right? Mm -hmm. A few years of starting school, very young, I recognized achievement, external achievement. That's what was going to be rewarded. That was the behavior. That's what what is expected. And so I was going to win. I would do whatever to win, which I think when you're young and you're absorbing like a sponge, it's probably okay. But when you start to feel the imbalance, like it's starting to have a negative impact on your mental health, it's starting to have an impact on your actual physical health. That's when you've got to step back and say, is this really serving me? Is this how I want to show up? And that for me, probably the first time in my life that I really recognized the imbalance was in my 20s. And I found myself winning. I had done really well in school. I had been recruited in during a recession into a consulting job in Washington, DC, away from my small town in Maine. And I was going 90 miles an hour, I got into graduate school and I was on a scholarship and I was still working full time. I just kept doing more and more to fill a void that I felt deep inside me and thought the more I achieve at the other end of this, there's gotta be some happiness. And it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying some of my time. I had friends, I was going out, I was doing things. I enjoyed even the achievement portion, but it was fleeting. It wasn't that type of joy that really sustains and fulfills you. So I hit a complete wall right around 26 and I found myself in my one bedroom apartment in uh, Washington, DC, looking out the window, overwhelmed by how exhausted and depleted and burnt out I had become because of this grind and hustle mentality that I had adopted as this is the way you have to be. If you wanna do well in life and if you wanna get to a place where you're gonna be happy, then you got to win and in order to win you got to grind and hustle and i had been grinding and hustle since six years old and here i was 20 years later really burnt out if i really had to put a fine point on it and i found myself looking out of a picture window of my apartment going i'm so exhausted i'm so depleted i'm so depressed i don't even want to deal with my day because there's just so much going on and it was just getting to be too much. I was literally daydreaming of just jumping out the window. Not that I wanted to exit the world, but that it felt, I could feel the alleviation as I visualized just like jumping out of the window and not dealing with the day. And it caught me like, gosh, what am I thinking? This is not who I am. I've got this appetite for life and excitement. And here I am thinking about jumping out a window, even if I wasn't in the mode of following through with it, it was those kind of thoughts that pulled me back into reality and said, no, something is vastly wrong here. And it really took stepping back and coming to grips with that mode of behavior and lifestyle of go was costing me. And I had become so disconnected from who I was at the most authentic, I couldn't even tell you what I liked, what I enjoyed, who I was. I was still in this pursuit and achieve. I'm young. This is when you're supposed to grind and hustle, keep going. I rose up despite the fact that on the external appearances, I was the it girl. I had it all going on. 
I was dying a thousand deaths inside of loneliness, despite the fact that I was surrounded by people and feeling completely disconnected from myself. I didn't even know who I was. And that was probably the first moment of realizing maybe grind and hustle isn't all that's made up to be. And maybe there's a different way of being. How do I feel more connected? What is that going to look like? How is that differ? I would love to say it was like a light switch and all changed in that <laughs> moment, but not the case. There was moments of clarity and that became a time of self-discovery and really understanding that I really wasn't in any sort of spiritual practice. I never made space for being quiet or still. I looked for every answer of my life or my problems or challenges outside of myself. I had literally undermined my own ability to feel truly worthy by myself without the accolades, without all the awards, without all of the promotions. If you stripped all of that away, I felt like I was nobody. And so that was when the work started. Like when you realize what if it could go all away, then where do we start? And recognizing I need to spend more time cultivating a practice to bring me to authenticity. And that's been decades and decades in, in evolution to where I can get to today and say, I get it. Like really moving forward in life for me at this stage with the ability to do some Monday morning quarterbacking, <laughs> I recognize that a lot of my really being at a place of growth and at a place of true um, peace has come by being still, not rushing to find the answers outside of me, but being still and waiting for the answers to come up through me by saying things like, I surrender and I'm going to wait until the answers come to me. Because we do, we have the answers in us, mm -hmm. but we, because of the feelings of lack of self-worth, we don't think that those things that come up are valid because often they're counterintuitive, right? They're counterculture. And when they're counterculture and you want to fit in, you dismiss those things. And I think as we get older and we're willing to stand up and accept counterculture as perhaps being the wisdom that we have deep in our DNA as spiritual beings, and you recognize, oh no, wait, that's the wisdom, that intuitive feeling or thought that came up for me that might be counterculture, but feels so aligned is the next step. That is the wisdom. And that didn't come from a book. And that didn't come from a promotion. That came from within. And that's that divine energy that's flowing in all of us. I think most of us spend a portion of our life, if we're lucky, recognizing that we need to unlearn some of the things that are layered on us as children and young adults, as societal expectations and ways of being, and try to go back and remember to that time. Usually it's in that zero to six time frame when we were most free, most joyous, most in a state of creativity, because we were in that spiritual being walk still from the time we entered. That time, they've proven it over and over with science, 
that zero to six, we're in the theta brain state. We're in that state of where we're building our beliefs, where we're absorbing everything that we hear, we sense, we feel. That's what gets crystallized into our subconscious brain to move us forward with our beliefs. We're picking up all of those clues. What's so amazing when you look at that, you can go back, uh, you go back and you look at your pictures between zero and six, our smiles, the play that we have, it is somewhere around the seven that we start, you look at the pictures and maybe the smile doesn't seem so authentic. Maybe it's more about, is your hair curled right? Or what outfit are you wearing? You don't care when you're four. No, there's some things that happen for some kids. It's just atrocious and it kills the spirit pretty early. But for those of us that had quote unquote normal childhoods for whatever that means, I think you're right. Like you have this sense of just freedom until it all gets absorbed. There's a certain way of being. Society expects us to show up a certain way and stand in the line a certain way. And so the creativity gets curtailed and the freedom gets curtailed and the spirituality we connected further from it and all of these things work work on us and then as adults if you're lucky if you get to a place where you realize well wait there's some stuff that's actually not authentic i've been carrying around for a really long time i'm in there but i gotta let go of a lot of these limiting beliefs and free myself from this there's this saying that said, someone asked Michelangelo, how did he come up with David? And he said, it was easy. I just chipped away of everything that wasn't David. (laughs) And I think that's what we do, Mm -hmm. right? We are each in and of our own right masterpieces. And what happens as we become adults is this need to really chip away at everything that's not your authentic being, not your most truest self, so that you can show up to be all that you're meant to be and achieve. Hopefully you learn it at a time where then regardless, whether you're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, you can do something with your time from your most authentic space because it's never too late. We all have our own light to shine and we're all here to shine it in our own unique way. The problem is this idea of conformity to society's standards dims everyone's light because we're all trying to be something we're not truly. We're all unique and we've got to let that authenticity come through. And that's really the journey. If, If you spend that time you get to a place where you're like, I recognize the importance of owning that part that's truest to me. You really have the ability to help really raise the vibe of the entire planet. It sounds big and far-fetched, but it's true. The really saddest part is when you ask, in fact, there's been many studies and there are mm-hmm. books out there as well about palliative nurses who have spent time with those people that are on their deathbed. The biggest regret of the folks that are dying is that they did not live life to their fullest. They didn't live life to their truest sense of self, that they lived somebody else's life. They did what was expected and they never realized 
that part of them that, that they knew they were meant to be. They knew they were meant for more than what they were living, but they never got there because they were afraid to break out from the mold. What a sad state to be able to recognize that we have an opportunity to recognize, like you don't want to get to your deathbed and say, God, my biggest regret is I never was my truest self. I always showed up doing what was expected. I always did something even though it didn't feel aligned or authentic because I didn't want to hurt people's feelings or I wanted to please everyone, but I did it at the cost of not being true to myself. I never became all that I could have been. That's what we're trying to be like, no, this is the moment of awakening. Once you recognize that it, it becomes much easier to say, I've got to work on removing the blocks they're preventing me from showing up in my most authentic state. Because yes. my gift to the world is to be me fully. Yes, yes. Owning all of that, all of our experiences, our mishaps, our learning experiences. Some people might call them mistakes. I don't think that we make mistakes. We're able to realize why did I make that decision instead of even putting it out on this person did that to me, this person did this to me. Life truly does happen for us Mm -hmm. and realizing that I did make that decision out of not wanting to hurt somebody else's feelings. Look, we talk about, can you really fail in life? I I think the only failure in life is to get to the end of it and have lots of regrets. That's to me, sadly, the ultimate failure, if you will. All the other times when you fall, a relationship doesn't work out, you quote unquote lose or what have you are moments of learning about ourselves. I think the moment you realize you're not here to change anyone else, you're here to work on yourself. And your job is to bring your highest frequency forward to become the most authentic state of your being is your full-time job. That is your role. Because when you do that, when you step into your full authenticity, you're able to bring the light. When you shed your light, you give permission to the next person to bring their light. Then you bring that permission to the next person to bring their light. That's how we raise the vibe, right? That's how we start to change the world. Not Mm -hmm. because we're changing someone else or we're fighting against this or we're against that but because we spend the time working on ourselves and guiding others. You and I talked about the importance of if you're able to do that with yourself, give the gift to someone else of holding the space while they work on themselves. We don't need to tell anybody what to do. We don't need to give the answers to someone else because you don't have the answers for someone else. You only have the answers for yourself. And so what you can do is hold the space for others as they go on that journey of finding their answers. Michelle, how do you realize if you're having a day, how do you know when you have fallen out of your own alignment of being able to stay in that flow state, balanced of the feminine and the masculine energies? What do you ask yourself to move you back into where you should be, your own flow? How how do you manage that for yourself? For me, it's a very obvious when I'm out of alignment. And look, the reality is I probably fall out of alignment many times a week and I have to put myself back on track because when you get too busy, when you don't have enough space, when you're not sticking to, for me, and I said you, I should really 
say me, when I'm not sticking to routines that help keep me aligned, I quickly can come unraveled and I start to act from a place of my head versus my heart. When it doesn't feel aligned, it will literally feel like resistance in my body, a discomfort physically manifests in my own being. So I know very quickly when I'm operating from my headspace, then the question becomes, do I have the wherewithal and will I give myself the grace to say, oh, I'm operating from my headspace. I'm starting to feel the hustle and grind. I know this isn't healthy and this isn't my best way of creating. Will I give myself the space to say, I need to step away or I need to say no and create better boundaries in order to get back in alignment. For me, usually within a few hours or at least within a day. Sometimes it goes longer. Sometimes you're in a funk and mm -hmm. you just can't get out of your own way. Yeah. But I think the more time you are in a state of self-awareness, at least for me, the greater self-awareness I am in, the less time I spend out of alignment. I probably went through years previously my younger version of me, very worried about what everyone else thought, very wanting, very much wanting to fit in, very much wanting to be accepted and recognized and please people. And all of those things that I look for outside of myself for validation and worth, I probably spent decades out of alignment. Now I'm in a place where I'm grateful to say, I spent hours out of alignment and then I can get back on track, maybe a day, maybe even a week sometimes. You're not feeling well, it can happen, but you don't want to stay there. Once you're in that state of self-awareness, you've spent any amount of time in alignment, you feel mm -hmm. it. I'm out of alignment. I gotta get back to what I know to do. Mm -hmm. I know it's because I had too much on my plate. Usually that's the driver for me. Mm -hmm. in a place of excitement and wanting to take things on. If I don't make space for downtime, if I'm just jam-packed back to back, it's, it's easy to become unaligned, but it's also easy to get back on track when you recognize that. I personally have up on my bathroom window, my top needs. I've outlined them and I can look at that as a trigger I want to make sure too that I highlight for people who are listening is that we're not talking about that toxic positivity that's still unauthentic where you're just pretending to feel that way. I, I do find that when we are in those little mini funks, whether it's a couple hours or it's a day, maybe you're sick in bed, that we have to allow those moments because you don't see the light without some of the dark. And that it's showing you something that you may need to now look at and to yeah. not gloss over it, to, to keep chipping away. Like to your Michelangelo uh, example is there's something else I need to chip away at. Maybe there's another belief that is now given me this gift of showing up. I agree. I don't think we're ever done either. This is mm -hmm. a state of constant evolution. I don't think... Certainly my experience has been when I've had a breakthrough and I'm in this place of alignment, not long, far down the track, there's going to be new challenges and a new place of growth that I need to experience. And so 
inevitably you're going to go through some challenging feelings and navigating and allowing yourself to feel what you're experiencing whether it's inadequacy because you're trying something new whether it's loneliness because you are feeling alone or you haven't spent enough time with others whatever that is physically ill because you've been sick feel the feels and then move on i think the whole fake it in a pinch be in the moment but you're right it's not authentic and so it's not sustainable mm-hmm. and it's something that i think I certainly have used it when I've needed to in a moment of I'm in a meeting or I'm in a situation, I need to get through it, but it's not what sustains me. I can't, I I really do need to go back to the basics and say, okay, I've gone through this kind of, I think on the other side of this funk and I need to get back to what I know to be true. And so for me, I know instantly when my ego is shutting me out, I can feel that I start to operate from my head. I tend to ask other people what their opinions are. Mm. I tend to start to look outside myself for answers. I start to read a lot more books and I love books, but I try to remind myself that books and knowledge are for my discernment, not for my solving challenges, that all of that has to reside within me and come through me. And if I get quiet enough and I'm patient enough, I'll know what to do. Your intuitive ability and that divine feminine that we all have, whether we're women or men, if you are quiet enough and listen, you already know when someone says, what does your gut tell you? You're like, my gut's telling me this, but I don't know my head. And that's when you need to stop. Okay. What is your gut telling you? That's your intuition. That's the divine wisdom. That's the inspired thought that's coming up for you. That's the place of alignment. Your head is trying to, that's your ego. It's trying to keep you safe, keep you in the same place, keep you small, not venture out and try new things. Like it's the part of you that's your false self. It's Mm -hmm. not your truest sense. It's almost like I immediately now I'm totally operating from a place of ego. We had to go back and rethink that because I actually was acting from that and I need to retract. Yes. No, yes. it's not serving me. Yes, completely agree. 